0: It is with great excitement that in 2021 we are blessed to have two new sponsors for the CT Startup Podcast. One of those sponsors is CT Next, an organization each one of our hosts, as well as many of our guests and listeners, have had the opportunity and pleasure of interacting with. I am going to let Glendalyn Thames, Deputy Commissioner of the DCD and founding Executive Director of CT Next, explain what CT Next does for early stage businesses here in Connecticut.
1: So what is CT Next? Our our mission um, fundamentally is really to equip early stage companies and entrepreneurs with resources, guidance, um, networks to accelerate their their growth um, and, and really creating an environment where our entrepreneurs can really start their business, grow their business and thrive in Connecticut and positioning Connecticut as the most desirable location in the country for an innovative company to build and grow and create jobs. And we do this, uh, you know, a few different ways, right? Um, One by, you know, really cultivating a network of public-private partnerships and really acting as a catalyst um, that supports entrepreneurs from ideation and growth to exits, Um, but then also, you know, providing direct funding to companies as well. So we have many programs um, that are non-dilutive capital to help accelerate kind of the early stages of growth of a company. Um, and then, you know, we we offer uh, other programming relative to, you know, again, building that that, in, that community infrastructure across our state. So if you think about, you know, incubators, accelerators, co-working spaces where that that dynamic knowledge sharing is happening and where kind of innovation actually starts and, and occurs.
0: For more information, please visit www.ctnext.com.
2: This is CT Startup, your source for information on entrepreneurs, investors, and resources in the Connecticut startup ecosystem. From university campuses to industrial labs, from Stanford
0: to Hartford, and from Danbury to Norwich, if it's happening out there in Connecticut, you'll find it in here. Welcome to CT Startup. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the CT Startup Podcast. Um, And uh, this one, I am joined by one of my co-hosts, Chris DeMora. How are you doing, Chris?
3: Eric, nice to talk to you, About Doing well.
0: Good, good. And so uh, this podcast is going to be a fun one because of the fact of um, we're actually talking to somebody who was on, I'm going to say, within the first 10, 10. I'm going to say maybe Mm -hmm. within the first five uh, podcasts that we ever did at CT Startup. And the whole point of this podcast is kind of track the the life cycle of these entrepreneurs and these businesses. And uh, when maybe one fails or one's successful, uh, see what they're up to next. And this one is actually one that was successful. Um, and we have Matt Kremens, who previously was with um, Vodawater. And so we we're, we're going to have to hear the story of uh, that exit and how he's on to the, also the, the second one uh, quickly. But he's here with his other co-founder, Keith Fox, with their new venture, Civil Talk. So how are you guys doing today?
4: Great. Thanks oh, really? for having us, Eric.
0: All right. So, Matt, since you've been on the podcast before um, and, you know, you you are the Connecticut Connection, you're the one that uh, came out of the Connecticut ecosystem. Just tell us a little bit about how you got to Civil Talk uh, through your other company, Voda uh, Water, I
4: guess. Yeah, it's a great story. So, um, as, as sort of I mentioned in the in one of our, the first episodes I was on with you guys, I started Voda Water out of the University of Connecticut uh, through the Innovation Quest program at UConn. Uh, Built the business uh, for about five years in Connecticut. Uh, We went from idea to prototype to product to manufacturing the product um, and selling it all over New England and New York. Um, And then in 2018, uh, we were approached by a company called LK. Um, And that might not be a household name for most people, but uh, they make most of the water fountains and, and a lot of the water filters in the world. Um, and when you go to like a gym or you go to an airport and you put your bottle underneath the, the thing, it has the, the bottle filler as well. Um, so they approached us and um, were interested in our product. After much discussions, they, they decided they, they wanted to acquire uh, my business. And uh, we went through negotiations. And, and in mid-2018, um, I actually sold Voda Water to LK. Um, it was a, a, a great uh, exit. Great transaction for everyone involved, uh, and then after the acquisition, they asked me to stay on and run sales for uh, my product line at LK. Um, so in mid 2018, I moved out to Chicago, um, and I ran uh, sales uh, for my product line at LK there um, until uh, about the beginning of 2021. Um, you know, if I a few years into that. Um, I was you know working at LK and, and selling um, and I was home visiting my mom and had a conversation with her and my mother's very uh, active online in terms of you know political discussions and and wanting to have these discussions online and active in local government etc um and when I was home visiting her she was visibly frustrated um, and I asked her you know why are you so frustrated and she was very frustrated with the process of trying to have uh, productive discussions about complicated issues online, um, particularly on social media. Uh, and so that kind of got my entrepreneurial light bulb going. Um, and I immediately called Keith. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Keith was my mentor for my first company, Voter Water. And um, I contacted Keith. I said, Hey, you know, I had this experience with my mom. I think there's really an, a, a big idea here. Um, and Uh, You know, I'll let him talk to it, but he he basically agreed, you know, and he was having a a similar problem, uh, being someone who's also very active online discussing complicated issues. Um, So from there, uh, the idea of civil talk started to blossom um, to here we are today.
0: So, um, so one, I think everybody's been frustrated, probably over the past few years about some sort of discussion and dialogue of real kind of sensitive and, and important, um, you know, topic. So, uh, I you know, I think there, that's a pain point that's definitely out there. And I don't think a lot of people are going to be able to um, really dismiss that kind of a pain point. So, uh, so obviously, Keith, that I assume you, you ran into the same issue, right? That like you were you were seeing people uh, with the same uh, pain point and so forth
2: absolutely so when, when Matt called um you know I immediately identified you know with the story with his mom and uh, uh you know interestingly um my daughter caitlin uh is also a Yukon grad, and she um was involved with matt's first company uh, Boda, and helped with some of the design of the software screens and and some of the graphics so um you know, Matt, I suggested to Matt that he contact Caitlin. Um, and then the two of them kind of flushed out the idea a little bit more. And And Caitlin created some mock-ups and some screenshots. And and we moved through what we actually teach in IQ. So we we actually put a little bit of money in and, and created a proof of concept for ourselves. And so um, once we did that, we were pretty um you know clear-eyed about the opportunity and what we would have to go build um so uh you know the the co-founders initially were were, uh matt and caitlin uh and then matt kind of convinced me to you know join full-time and come out of retirement so and um,
3: keith uh, you were running the, the the iq program at uconn too correct
2: yeah. Um, the, the background on that is I'm a Yukon grad. I graduated. I'm the old guy in the group. So I graduated in 1980 uh, from the School of Business and, and got involved with the university. I've been living in California for you know uh, over 30 years. And I was working at Apple in the early days and then went to Cisco. Um, and I was running worldwide marketing, corporate marketing for John Chambers. Um, and uh, a gentleman by the name of Rich Dino, who was the Associate Dean of the School of Business, came out to visit and they were looking for a donation. <laughs> and uh, my, my dad was a teacher and he had passed away, um, you know, not long before Rich came to see me and I wanted to honor my father. So there was an opportunity to make a gift. Uh, so I made a gift to the School of Business and the Dean of the School of Business holds the Orrin Fox chair in, in honor of my father. Uh, So that got me involved with the university in, I think, 1999. Uh, Again, I was uh, recruited to the foundation board. So I served a few terms on the foundation board, learned a lot about what was going on at the university and the School of Business. um, And then I turned out and I was also serving on the board at Cal Poly for the president there. And a friend of mine actually started the uh, Innovation Quest program at Cal Poly. Uh, And he he and I worked together at Cisco. And I asked if he would help me uh, take the program to Utah. And he obviously said yes. And so we approached the then new president, Susan Herbst. And, um, you know, a lot of people knew me from the foundation board. Uh, So I said I would bring the program and help fund it and get it going. Uh, So that was a little over 10 years ago. Uh, so uh, Innovation Quest now is starting its 11th year at UConn. Uh, The executive director is uh, Rich Dino. He's been there almost the entire time, and it's supported, uh, you know, by the provost and all the deans. Uh, So Matt went through that program, and I think, was it the second year, Matt? Um, Second or third year? Yeah, second year. Yep. Yeah, so that's how Matt and I met. He, you know, had a great idea and Um, went through the program and uh, we stayed in touch and I don't invest in any of the UConn IQ uh, uh, teams. I'm I'm strictly a mentor and I make that very clear. Uh, I'm always on their side. I will never invest and be on the investor side. I'll always be on the student side. Um, And I make that clear to the mentors and anybody else (laughs) that that cares to know. Uh, So I helped Matt through his whole journey, uh, including you know, kind of helping him with the sale. So, uh, it was just wonderful to watch him, you know, go from an idea to an exit. Uh, so, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I I think very
0: highly of him. Yeah. And so that's, so that is one of the outcomes of these types of programs. So one, thank you for kind of putting in the effort to try to bring an IQ program over here and kind of seeing the, uh, seeing um, you know the, the dots and then connecting them, right? Uh, that's the big thing about these ecosystems is that that's how it naturally happens, that people see like, hey, my alma mater or, or this this university could use it or this kind of uh, uh, space or city can use a resource. And I have a connection to make that kind of happen. So one, thank you. And we've had the, a bunch of IQ companies on here at this point. We uh, uh, One of their demo days, we went up there and kind of did something. So uh, it's again, nice to, to kind of see the full say, circle yeah, of this.
3: Right, full circle here, we're full circle. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah.
0: And, and you get the students on the opposite side. So now they're, you know, they did one exit and now they're on to the next one. And, and that's the, also the, the point of some of these programs is to, you know, create uh, an entrepreneur that's willing to get back into the, the mix of it, uh, you know, kind of start from the ground floor and uh, after uh, after one success or one failure. So uh, 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 Matt, congratulations absolutely. on that, you know, uh, stepping back in the ring. So <laughs> yeah. thank you. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you touched on something, um, you know, the, the vision that we, we had and still have is that that Connecticut can build its own ecosystem, you know, and, and entrepreneurship and great ideas come from anybody at any time. Uh, you know, California where I, you know, live and work and, and moved from Connecticut, it was painfully obvious to me that there was not a uh, robust ecosystem. Uh, in Connecticut, and you know, I'm happy to report there is one now, and and so uh, you know, the Worth Institute, you know, uh, was the outgrowth of of probably the IQ program. Peter was kind enough to make a big gift, uh, and now there's a number of different programs at the university and throughout the state, and so any young person who wants to pursue their idea and their journey. Uh, you know now has a lot of resources available to them and a lot of young entrepreneurs uh, have been through the journey like Matt are giving back so Matt has been very kind uh, in giving back to this cohort of of uh, young entrepreneurs Um, and and that's the only thing I asked of everybody that goes through the program it's totally free Just come back and and give when you can. And so, Mark Smith, I think he's been on your show, uh, podcast, and and Matt, and a number of others, um, you know, terrific young people who understand that, um, you know, part of this is giving back
0: mhm mm-hmm. that that's for sure and all I want to say is that uh this uh, Stanford Startup Studio we just uh, interviewed them uh, last week and we were up at Tip up in Stanford kind of with their uh the new uh, digital program up there so uh, for sure mm-hmm. it's great how you kind of has expanded over the years uh you know tips in three locations right now uh, different yep. app, different ways of thinking about entrepreneurship not 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 all the same which is they're that's the point, right? Uh, there's entrepreneurship in all shapes and sizes, which is a good thing. So, um, and,
3: and, and to your point again, you know, too, we've been doing this a while now. We've just watched the, the Connecticut ecosystem just continue to grow and thrive. And again, it's in part because of people like, you know, Keith and Matt, who, you know, are willing to put themselves out there and do the work or, And you know, when they are successful, they come back and they give back. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's how it's an ecosystem, right? It's a, it's a feedback loop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: so uh so let's get back to kind of like why how you two partnered up right and kind of are taking on this uh this issue um it is i will call out this is another social network right um you're you're kind of taking that uh, a different approach to it so um so who wants to kind of take on the the explaining okay matt so matt g- give us an idea of like what this new social network is all about and the, the approach that you're taking
4: yeah absolutely so civil talk is a bit unique in that um it has a lot of the elements of a social service, but we, we actually really call it a, a civic engagement service um, because it's really purpose-built. Um, the, the reality today is that uh, our nation is more divided than ever. Um, and I think people realize that. So the, the vision when we came together to start Civil Talk um, was to help reunite our nation. right? And when we thought about how do we reunite our nation, we identified the, the, the root causes for a lot of the divide. A lot of it comes down to the, the online experience that people are having uh, around social media. Um, you know, when social media was originally built, uh, you know, it was great for connecting with friends and family and sharing pictures of your vacation or your cat or, you know, whatever you wanted to share, right, and and that was great, it, it was great for, for doing that. Um, but it was really never built to have thoughtful, more in-depth discussions about complicated issues, right? And when people started trying to do that, um, you know they experienced a lot of issues, right? With, we, with trying to do that on those platforms, and they experienced, you know, hate, bullying, um, and then the flood of misinformation and disinformation, right? And the really the challenge comes with social media's advertising business model, right? Um, and the lack of control over having uh, real people on the platform. So the the social platforms are overrun with bots, trolls, people hiding behind fake names, fake accounts, um, and foreign interference through these fake accounts, etc. So, you know, what you get is as a user, you get exposed to uh, a, a swath of misinformation, disinformation. And when you're trying to have a thoughtful discussion around, an issue. Um, a lot of times you're not even sure who you're interacting with or the terms of engagement, right. That we call that, right. Um, you may be subject to group attacks. You may be subject to talking with someone who's not really who they say they are, et cetera. Right. So what we were realizing was, um, there are many, there are many Americans that, um, you know, they feel that it's their civic duty to talk about these different issues, and they want to talk about them online and have productive dialogue, right? And they're trying to do this on these existing platforms, and it's very frustrating for them. So what what we're doing with Civil Talk is we're offering a, a purpose-built place, a service, um, where people can go and have authentic real social interactions and authentic real discussions, right? And our our core pillars of our brand are authenticity, privacy, and civility. And that's how we deliver this experience for people. Um, We deliver it through authentic interactions with real people and we'll explain how we do that. Um, The other pillar is privacy. So not having an advertising based business model around selling individual user data Um, and then civility. So purposefully structuring the service so that uh, when you do have interactions, they're civil and there's some feedback loops there. So that's kind of how we took the big problem and created a purpose built. We call it a civic engagement service. Around
0: that. Okay, so I don't know if you've ever uh, uh, seen the meme of like, uh, it's like a, uh, a one of those white, um, you know, like, like patio chairs, and it's like, you know, some of the best conversations come like, in these chairs late at night around a campfire or something like that, right. And so I do think that, you know, people do um, strive to have a connection to other people. And part of that is understanding and having these deep conversations. Um, I would argue that many people don't, ha- uh, haven't built up the muscle to have deep conversations or meaningful conversations, or even, you know, kind of like take on these bigger, uh, uh, concepts and ideas, because I mean, I'm on it where like, there's, I have opinions on certain topics that I know surface level stuff on, or I don't know as much as the other person. And then we're on different footings, but even having the conversation and and so forth and everything. Right. So, you know, it's, um, you know, it's one of those things where, um, uh, like like training people to have to to have a, a civil talk on big issues with very divisive kind of terms and so forth, I would assume that has to be you know you, you've thought about this right you know kind of a thing It's, a, it's something that you have to really uh, think about when trying to get people to have these these intense dis- discussions to get to an to an outcome right because I assume there's some sort of tr- pushing people to get an outcome out of these conversations right
2: yeah. It's, it's a great point. You made a, a couple of points there. So let me let me take them one at a time. So um, you, you use the uh, uh, analogy of, uh, you know, the meme. And, and so we, you know, have always thought that this is kind of a kitchen table approach, where, you know, it's an honest, authentic, let's have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, whatever your pleasure. Um, and you would meet a friend. And you know you'd, you'd say, "Let's go meet at the coffee shop and let's sit down, let's catch up. And inevitably, you know it would be an eyeball to eyeball, you know, conversation, and you'd cover a lot of ground, you know tough, tough stuff, but your you know your acquaintances, your friends, your family, and and you're covering tough ground. That's nearly impossible to do um, on any of the social media services. and if you've ever, listen to Tristan Harris, you know, who's kind of behind the, the, the movie, The Social Dilemma, um, uh, and, and Roger McNamee, who was kind of Mark Zuckerberg's uh, you know, uh, mentor in the early days, who now understands what really happened. <laughs> um, it, you know, it is impossible on any of those, because they were never built for that, to Matt's point. So we, we set out to build something for this kitchen table conversation. Um, The second point you made is, you know, has our society helped develop that muscle? (laughs) And has it been exercised? And honestly, it hasn't. uh, For many. And and there is a group of people that want to exercise that muscle. And, and, And that's the early adopters of civil talk. You know the people that want to do it, that are trying to do it. Matt's mom, me, others um, that that um, are mentally stimulated to try to solve problems. So when we were thinking about this um, and talking to people, what we ended up building is what we call a peer-to-peer knowledge network. So as Matt said, there's a number of features. That were guided by the three pillars of authenticity, privacy, uh, and civility. And so one of the features is verification. You know, we, we want to verify that um, uh, citizens and legal residents of the US are on this platform. That, that's where we started. We said, let's build this for uh, the people who, um, you know, are here. And, and um, it's just like any family in that kitchen table, we got our own issues to deal with. We don't need other people kibitzing in on our family issues. So if you think about the USA uh, around a big kitchen table, we really don't need foreign interference, right? And so here's a platform where we can all talk amongst ourselves. Um, the, the second feature was to... Um, allow those conversations to be filtered at the town, county, and state level. So if I just wanna have a conversation, a kitchen table conversation with the people in my town, I I really don't need to hear from other people in another state and another town if it's a town issue. It's a waste of my time. So that feature of verification first and foremost, that you are, You know, a US citizen or legal resident. Uh, Second, all by location, you know, we'll let you filter and have that conversation. Um, The the third thing is that we really prompt in a very simple way the user to fill out their profile in an authentic way. And what we mean by that is we ask three simple questions in a text box and give you 300 characters. (laughs) to very simply explain to the others in the community, A, what are your core principles? What what are your core beliefs? How do you live your life? Second of all, what's your educational background? And third, what's your professional background? To your point earlier, um, one of the frustrations we heard from many is everybody in today's society on social media thinks they should have an opinion about everything and they really don't have any knowledge. So on the receiving end, it's kind of frustrating and a waste of time. I, I really don't want to hear from somebody who has no knowledge base on the topic or issue. They're welcome to have an opinion. I just don't want to have to wade through all those opinions to get to somebody who actually knows what they're talking about. So we we make it uh, easy to set up your profile We make it easy for you to tag your topics of knowledge based on your education and professional background um, and to some degree your core beliefs. And then we make it real easy to tag, what are you interested in learning about right now? And you can always change those. And then we match make people to make it easy for people of knowledge to help answer questions of where people are interested in learning, and vice versa. So if if I'm interested, I can post a question, and you know I can see the people that are answering it have some knowledge base. I think that's. Yeah, I just I had a, I had an interruption on my side too. Sorry about that. Okay, no so, no problem. <laughs> yeah, so 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 um, uh, yeah, so that's you know, the, the, the fundamental kind of flow of features and there, there's others, but those are the, the big things that that we really um, flushed out after we kind of had our vision and mission and, and the principles of what we were trying to build. Um, and, you know, we're still obviously in learning mode and as people use the service and provide more feedback, you know, that'll get on our, you know, engineering plan and we'll add new features as people give us feedback
3: yeah i think that's a that's a really interesting point to bring up there like you know at at its core here this isn't necessarily this isn't a platform for posting pictures of your cat right this is a platform for discussion this is a platform for Knowledge. This is a place where, you know, and that's a lot of what's missing from today's social media because there's so much misinformation. There's so much uh, you know, trolls and bots and and just things you can't trust. It's hard to trust today's social media, right? Uh, anything that comes across. And so what it sounds like, you know, is like you guys are really trying to build a platform based around trust, based around, you know, I'm talking to who. You know, I think I'm talking to you. I, I'm not yeah. talking to a bot. I'm not talking to, a, a, a you know, a third party who is not engaging in good faith. Um, yeah. And so, you yeah. know, I I, I want to ask, you know, were you concerned at all about the, the requirement to present, you know, verification? Uh, you know, what kind of discussion did you guys have around that when you decided, hey, we're going to do this? Because, you know, on one hand, a lot of people, enjoy anonymity on the internet right on the other hand you know even major uh, uh, social media networks these days a lot of them for you to do certain things require id verification you know facebook for example if you get locked out of your facebook account they require you to prevent like a driver's license or some kind of id to prove you are who you are to That's get it back absolute,
2: absolutely absolutely yeah, so uh, let me answer it first, and I'll toss it back to Matt. But y- you, you know, you mentioned the word trust. You know what we teach in IQ, and and we live this here is any brand is a promise of an experience, any brand. And so, if you violate that promise, you break the trust. So we're trying to be very clear-eyed about what our brand is, what promise we're making and what the experience is and what we say it is and what, what they experience. So any brand is, is, a, is a promise of an experience and you're building trust with a certain set of customers that value that brand promise. So civil talk's not for everybody. We'd like to think everybody in the US will join and we architected this uh, and built the the service right now for adults. You have to be 18 years or older. It's a complicated set of issues. There are some things uh, with minors that, you know, at some point we'll figure out some features to address letting um, high school and junior uh, middle school um, um, students join. But right now this is 18 years and old and above. Um, And again, the pillars, based on this promise are around authenticity, privacy, um, and civility. Um, the, The other thing that you mentioned, and I should just point out is we've added features against that brand promise and those pillars. We've also not included features that would violate those things. So on civil talk, there's no share button because we don't sell ads. We don't want people on for the sake of being on, engage for eyeballs to sell ads. We, we don't want that. We want people to work um, effectively on the issues that they wanna work on and learn about on their own time. So there's no share button. There also is no comment button. This is architected as a one-on-one discussion with someone else. Others can read and learn from those discussions, but they can't comment in. No one can conflate another issue and jump into the conversation between two people. They can start a separate discussion and people could read that, Um, but we've made um, business decisions and feature decisions against our brand promise and against those pillars. Matt, you want to add something?
4: Sure, Chris. Can you uh, reiterate your question for me, just so I can answer it?
3: I was talking about, you know, how you guys have kind of built a platform around trust, and um, you know, the kind of the, you know, specifically around like requiring people to uh, ID themselves, revise some them kind of ID. You know, what was the discussion sort of around that? You know, um. Because again, not, this is not going to be for everybody, you know? So, you know, I i w I'm just kind of curious as to, you know, um, how did you guys arrive at the conclusion to do like this? You know, uh, because and the other side of it too is, you know, how did you guys decide to go with the ad free model, you know, just to expand on the, the question. So sure. how do you kind sure. of come to these conclusions there, but, uh, you know, start with the, the ID thing.
4: Sure. So one of the largest challenges on social media is, um, Information gets freely shared to Keith's point using the share button and, and propagated. Um, and there's not there's not really a way to verify where that information originated from or whose opinion it really is. Um, so when we when we arc when we when we crafted civil talk, we did it purposefully so that as a user, uh, you would always be able to know exactly who was giving their opinion and be able to validate them and their background and their credentials around that opinion. So going back earlier to what Keith was saying, uh, we're building a peer to peer knowledge network um, where you should be able to go on Civil Talk and be able to learn from people who have knowledge about the given issue. So uh, if you go on and someone posts about uh, the border wall, you know, you will, because we verify every user, you'll know exactly who they are and their background. And if they have any background related to that issue and you can weigh their opinion appropriately based on their experience and, and et cetera, right? Um, but that's a lot of value for people who are are really trying to learn about a given issue. And that's one of the biggest challenges with social media today is, is information gets spread. You don't really know um, you know, where it's originating from and, and, and what the background of the person has on that issue. So one of the things that one of the ways you solve that is by verifying every member in the community. The other thing that solves is it solves um, no bots troll or trolls. Um, so when we verify every member, we automatically are creating a service that does not have any fake accounts or trolls or bots. Right, so that's a that's an enormous value to a community, especially when again going back to the idea that uh, it's a peer to peer knowledge network, and people are here to learn about different issues and discuss them. Um, so when you're discussing with someone that you know is a real person, um, it you know it, it really helps you know in terms of the of the quality of the interaction, and you can learn their background simultaneously. Um, they can, you know, understand that you're legitimate as well, right? And what we found is when people verify themselves on civil talk, um, let's just say the quality of the behavior increases. A lot of times if you, a lot of times if you hide, people just can hide behind a fake name or fake account. Um, There's less accountability in terms of what they're going to say. And actually accountability is a really good thing when we're talking about these complicated issues. You know it's okay to have an opinion. Um, you know, but but hateful hate speech, bullying, name calling, uh, racial comments, etc., are, are you know they're never uh, there's never a place for those things, right? So uh, by eliminating the ability of people to have fake names and fake accounts, um, what you'll see by going on Civil Talk is a community where the quality of the interactions is extremely high because of that. Um, and the, the conversation is very productive. So that's that's why we did that. Um, in terms of the 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 business model, um again, a lot of the issues that are created on social media are because of social media's advertising business model, right? The more the more social media wants more and more and more eyeballs to look at different content to generate ad revenue, right? So um and, and, and that involves, you know, allowing fake accounts. It also involves uh, selling individual user data, right, um, f- to those advertising companies so they can target you. So one of the things that we really wanted to to do, uh, to build on Civil Talk is a community of trust, right? If, if people are going to come on our platform and they're going to verify themselves and talk about complicated issues, there's a big there's a big level of trust there. Right. And, and we as a company um, want to uphold that trust. and, And a big pillar of that is not selling individual user data to advertisers. Right. And, and, and because we don't do that, we have no institutional bias on our platform. There's no companies, there's no foreign governments, there's no political agent parties, there's nobody that has control over the messaging on the platform that can that can spread advertising or spread content to many users. So because of that, the fact there's no institutional bias, um, civil talk is really a a mediated place, right? We always say we're mediators and mediators only, right? So that creates a, a very unique environment for people to have an authentic discussion and not feel like they're a victim to, to, institutional bias from the moment they join um, and you're seeing that issue on a lot of other newer social platforms that are trying to join right there they're slanting in one side or another side or you know far this or far that based on you know the institutional bias and the advertising that is that is being fed into that platform right so we we purpose built civil talk for no institutional bias so our business model is a very nominal subscription, um, and it's you know we we basically have two tiers. We have a, a full plan which allows you to not only read but engage with every community member on every issue. Um, that's twenty dollars a year or two ninety nine a month, right? We have a monthly option and a yearly option, and we have a, a limited plan which is for those that want to just read the content. Um, but are not interested in necessarily engaging in discussions on every issue. Um, and that is, you know, more akin to like subscribing to a newspaper, right? Where you're reading on the different issues. Uh, but it's a, it's a community of, of people talking about the different issues. And basically that is $7.99 a year or $1.49 a month. So uh, we've, very aggressively price these subscriptions so that every American should be able to pay and join, right? We, we don't want to make it cost prohibitive for anyone to be able to engage in any discussion on civil talk. Um, but the subscription service is really all about upholding the integrity of the community. And that's why we do it.
3: You know, and I just, I just want to jump in here. Uh, I have for years, you know, I've been marketing, I've done social media and for years I have said, I because I know what goes on behind the scenes with Facebook and Twitter and all, all you know, I know how much power and control and, 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 you know, tools are available on social media to target people, you know, I, it might be my business, but sometimes I'm like ew and I've often said, you know, I would rather pay to have not have these ads and have that option. So, you know, I, I, again, I think there's this it's a really big selling point to not have your data being sold, it's not, you know. 20 bucks no ads like I could focus on things and not wonder if I'm being marketed to or sold a, a bill of goods it's a really big deal and you know again it's a very, it's a very small you know amount of money for a lot of peace of mind yeah so we um,
2: obviously uh, I'll reference IQ again and, and and we do different modules but obviously we we educate young people starting a company entrepreneurs you know, the importance of picking a business model and, and and that can change obviously as you learn more and you know you go through your journey um, you know so we had that discussion and you know this isn't Matt's first rodeo right so you know we, we went through this and you know we t- discussed having this be a nonprofit at one point and and I have served on nonprofit boards I served on the Stanford uh, um, you know, foundation board for children's hospital. I served on the UConn foundation board. Uh, I've helped raise a lot of money for foundations. I run my own private foundation. Um, When we looked at uh, who this is for and how many people possibly would join this, we're talking tens of millions of people. And so to To try to raise money and run this as this scales would be really, it would slow us down. It would be really complicated. So we we formed an LLC. Um, We obviously immediately got rid of the advertising model, went to the subscription model, and um, we possibly could become what's called a benefit corporation at some point. And so being an LLC, again, we teach this, you know, gives us a lot of flexibility. We can stay as an LLC. Um, If for some reason we take outside investors, um, you know, we could create a benefit corporation and stay consistent with our vision and our mission um, and and the pillars. Um, So gave ourselves some flexibility there and and the ability to scale and fund us through users.
0: Yeah, and the benefit corporation model, I mean, there's a few different ways you can go certified B Corp or the benefit corporation in Connecticut where you can kind of lock in the, the public the knows all about I, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, it's yeah. always interesting. And, and, you know, the past few years, it's been good to get, um, you know, when when we when when trifecta my business was a benefit corporation the one of the first ones in the state of Connecticut people are like what is that nowadays it's pretty like when you say benefit corporation most people have heard it, that are kind of in the startup right. community and in investing world so um they they get it it's uh, I would assume again I, like this this is like if you didn't go benefit corp status it would be like why you know kind of a thing it would be like that's almost a red, red flag if, if you didn't almost <laughs> you. you know at least uh, uh, really consider that uh, very much so um I, you know good good uh, point there so, a couple of things is that um, one, your your feature set of not uh, allowing multiple people to hop into a conversation um, was not one that I was necessarily thinking about, oh, it would be a core feature of this, but um, that completely makes sense because for a lot of people, right, it is something where they're juggling 15 different conversations in the thread of their post on a, a, a major issue that are all tackling different nuances of the issue, right? And it's very, you know, very hard to kind of keep track of it. Um, and it's it's very interesting to to think of like there's a lot of people i feel like go on these networks and or you know these platforms search out very kind of divisive or very heated subjects and like to just see like the fighting within the the comments. And then they, then they throw in their poop emoji or their fire tweet or their, you know, like whatever. And it just, you know, gets people going even more. Right. So it's like, that's, that again is an interesting kind of a thing where you're not allowing them to rile, rile people up and, you know, jab at certain things. Um, people
3: just want to watch the world burn. Yeah. There is,
0: there is. And and for some people that is entertaining and I, and I get it, right. There's some, there's some very witty people out there. It's like, you should, you know, write, write, write some jokes or something, you know, put it to good use. Um, and so I guess I, I want to kind of see the conversation a little bit, um, you know, kind of, you know, as we get towards the end of this, because you bring up civil engagement, or, or you know, civ- civic duty, and everything like that. Um, I'll call out uh, Keith. I, I would say that you grew up in a different kind of era of myself, Matt, and and, and uh, Chris, in terms of civic engagement and what that means to you. Um, I can think of a book I probably read like twelve years twelve or fifteen years ago called Bowling Alone, and kind of how like the the decline of civic engagement and people actually getting together and talking in these civic groups and so forth, right? So what I'm the reason why I bring this up is that civic engagement also involves interacting with your local government and uh, government officials and, and this kind of stuff, right? And going to meetings and being on boards and commissions and going to those, like so many people don't realize that you can go to all these public meetings and like listen mm-hmm. and actually be active, right? Like they're, it's like a, I think just the past couple of years, maybe because a lot of people are going and yelling at their public officials for no reason, even in small towns, like it's just, um, you know, maybe they realize it. So my my question on on kind of that um, uh, uh, that crossover between civic engagement, kind of you as a public citizen, but also these government employees slash you know uh, um, extensions of our government, is there like a, a separation? Because you say professional, like I am, am I'm employed by the federal government, right? I am a senator. I am a, a staff uh, on this on this you know kind of a thing. Because that brings weight. Their opinion also takes a grain of salt in some scenarios, and this and that. So it's like. How do government employees, I guess, kind of interact with this if, you know, so. Yeah,
2: that's a great question. Um, Obviously uh, in the product ideation phase, um, we had a lot of different ideas. We did a lot of interviews uh, with uh, town officials, county officials, state officials, and even some federal officials. Um, And so we have and had a, a plan to have an offering for elected officials. And and we also had and have a plan for an uh, an enterprise uh, version of civil talk. Um, As we dug into this and we really investigated it, what we found was that um, first and foremost, whether you're an elected official or representative or not, you're first and foremost a citizen. (laughs) and so you know if your town has a mayor or a town council they are still um, you know a citizen in that town and so our filtering by town by county by state allows all all people whether you're an elected representative or or not uh, a view and a window into what are the tags, what are the issues being discussed and and who is you know driving those discussions. Um, that is great. If I was an elected official, I would love civil talk and I would sign up for the $20 a year and, and just read. I mean, you could sign up for the $8 and just read and see what everybody in your town, what your constituents are saying um and and right now that's where we're at it's the simplest thing to do uh it brings a lot of value t- to them individually and it and it makes civic engagement uh the easiest it's ever been so i am the old guy at <laughs> the group you know i'll be 63 in november uh i like to say i'm you know it's uh, age before beauty uh with me and matt um so um It was a different time, but it was actually harder. I mean, it's never been easier to engage. And civic engagement is just being more informed and using your vote. Um, And you can do that online. I mean, you can sit in on Zoom calls, you know, for your town council, county meetings, everything's online. Um, You know, it's never been easier to engage. And and civic engagement is a really broad term, right? I mean, you can engage by voting hopefully you can engage by being informed and voting Mm -hmm. as an informed voter
0: (laughs) your minimum civic duty is to vote like that's almost like kind of like the minimum is like to to get out there and kind of do that kind of stuff um so the reason why i bring it up uh, about the public officials is that so my mother is a small town mayor right um and the past four years have been the, uh, she's been in she's been in government for 25 years and the change in the past four years like a lot more active people but mm-hmm. it's it's much more hostile um and uh, for everybody um the the amount of and it's kind of interesting the small town stuff one that can sometimes get even a little bit more brutal right because you're yeah. a small town right uh yeah. um, it's also kind of crazy there's been moments where it's like Um, what, what you, what you said to me in a meeting versus how you're acting outside is like, I can't disconnect the two anymore because of the, like the way you acted there kind of a thing. Um, and so it's one of those, one of those things where I, I know people in government that would do want a more civilized discussion. Right. So that is, uh, that is definitely something where they want to cut through the nonsense of some of this stuff and get to get to the issues. Yeah.
2: So we did, we did a lot of interviews, obviously, and and we focused more on towns, honestly, uh, you know, it's, it's the old adage, you know, all politics are local, right? They just are. And there's 30,000 towns in the U.S. There's 5,000 cities. They're within our 3,000 counties. And, and so, you know, Matt and I have, you know, talked to enough people to, to realize that uh, over time, these discussions online, uh, if civil talk does take off, like we think it will, more and more of these will be local conversations and local issues. It just, it'll just happen that way. And if you think about why people are so frustrated and they go to these town council meetings and they scream into the mic is they haven't had a platform to be heard. I mean, if, if you really think about your town, everybody being and having a civil talk that account, uh, they don't have to wait and get in line to then express themselves it's an ongoing discussion and so people will you know they'll just naturally calm down a little bit because they know they will be heard and they and nobody can interrupt them it's a one-on-one discussion with somebody else they can talk about and tag the issues they want to post about they can learn about the other ones and by the time there is a quarterly or semi-annual or annual actual face-to-face meeting uh, all that data is there for everybody to see fully transparent and and you know the job of the town council should be a lot easier it it really should Um, you know so uh, we spent a lot of time talking to people about this and and um you know in our heart of hearts we we just we want so the pillars we want civil discussion, respect people's privacy, um, and let authentic conversation go. So uh, nobody feels like they have been surprised at the last minute, uh, or things have been shoved down their throat. You know, there's an opportunity to talk it through.
3: Yeah, I, I think I think that's a. Uh... I think it's a very good point. Again, you know, is, uh, one of the things is when you're trying to have a real discussion, you're getting drowned out by, again, people who are just louder or refuse to engage on a, a, a you know, an honest level, being d- intellectually dishonest, and they're just engaging in what about isms and all that. It's, you know, it can get very frustrating for people when they really do have a passion for an issue, and they just can't get their voices heard so um you know we're uh we're nearing an hour already believe it or not time flies when you're having fun um but i wanted to give you guys a chance to kind of you know tell us you know how can people you know get on civil talk where are you guys at and you know how do they get going on this if this sounds like the right platform for them um you know what are their next steps sure
4: So we encourage everyone to visit www.civiltalk.com, C-I-V-A-L-T-A-L-K.com. There's some great information on our homepage uh, about the site, about the plans we offer. Uh, We also just added a a video library page, uh, which has some great content in terms of learning more about how Civil Talk works um, and the problems with social media today. Um, So we encourage people to visit civiltalk.com and sign up.
3: And there's, a, there's an app coming too, correct?
4: Correct. So uh, right now we have our web app that's live and our mobile app is going to be on the app store in about two to three weeks. Um, awesome. So as people sign up, if they sign up immediately, uh, we'll be sending them the mobile app link when it's ready.
0: Very good. Well, uh, well, Keith and Matt, thank you very much for uh, joining us uh, again. This is like this is the type of podcast that we love to have because it showcases again what uh, the robust nature of the ecosystem at this point. How some of the early kind of efforts have led to you know successes and to you know new endeavors. Um, so that is great. And uh, I will have to say is that knowing that Connecticut, uh, Connecticut, Connecticut is. Um, is basically uh, 169 different fiefdoms. Um, I think maybe uh, this is a good state to kind of uh, do the small town kind of side and get people kind of talking uh, and kind of going it up. So uh, um, hopefully, um, you know, more uh, more people in Connecticut uh, hop onto it. I know I'm going to go check it out. And uh, anybody again, um, you know, that is interested, please go check out Civil Talk. And, uh, you know, all the best wishes to you guys in this uh, grand endeavor that you have uh, decided to take on. So.
2: Well, Thank you for uh, having us on, uh, and it's really been a pleasure. Thank you, thank you guys.
0: When starting a podcast, one step in the journey is landing a sponsorship. And in 2021, CT Startup is thankful to have two sponsors. One of those sponsors is Connecticut Innovations, or as some people know it, CI, an organization that has been a key player in turning Connecticut into a hub for innovation. In 2020, Bloomberg ranked Connecticut as the fourth most innovative economy in the country, and CI is one of those organizations here in Connecticut that can take credit for that ranking. CI is Connecticut's strategic venture capital arm and is the leading source of financing and ongoing support for innovative, growing companies. By offering equity investments, strategic guidance, and introductions to valuable partners, they are enabling promising businesses to thrive. For more information on how Connecticut Innovations can work with your company, please visit their website, www.ctinnovations.com.
2: Thank you for listening to CT Startup. More Connecticut startup news, information, and events can be found at ctstartup.com. The weekly episodes of this podcast can be downloaded from iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and ctstartup.com. See you next week.